five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, how are we doing on this Thursday morning after some fun audio back and forth uh, problems? <laughs> this stuff never operates how it's supposed to. I don't think people realize by the time we actually get on here, yeah. there's always been some sort of huge collective effort to, to make this podcast happen. So I, I'm just happy to be here with you, buddy. Yeah, I'm excited to talk ball because, man, uh, you know, signing day is now less than a week away again. Uh, and then once we get past this this signing day, and not, not that I think it's going to be too active for Alabama, but once we can get past this signing day, uh, then we got just six weeks till spring practice. I don't I don't know if that's enough time for us to hash it all out. Yeah, I mean, especially with everything that's going on, you know, quarterback competition. You're starting running backs gone. You've got you know a slew of receivers that are gone. Granted, you know only a couple of them were really you know big time contributors. The others. Or more so valuable depth, but Cameron Latou's gone at tight end. You got, you know, plenty of offensive linemen who are gone or have entered the transfer portal. Over half of the the 15 offensive linemen who are on the roster this season, they're all going to be gone for one reason or another. So you've got a lot of turnover there. You know, what the depth look like defensively, it's kind of pretty much the the equivalent. I mean, there's just as many question marks on that side of the football, if not more. And so there's going to be a ton to talk about and break down and, and sort of discuss. But what we're going to do today um is we're going to be breaking down i did an offensive depth chart projection a way too early because it is way too early it's january 19th we're like just under three weeks removed from alabama sugar bowl win against kansas state but we're already looking you know uh forward to 2023 and, and what the roster is going to look like we're going to be doing more of these this isn't going to be the only time we do this uh we'll do one now both offense and defense and then we'll do one probably before spring practice and then after spring practice and then touch on it again uh, once fall camp starts rolling around, kind of our final depth chart projections as the season approaches. But uh, Jimmy, we'll start with the quarterbacks. Bryce Young is moving on to the NFL. Uh, everybody expected that to happen, but now you're left with four talented yet very inexperienced quarterbacks um, outside of the very small amount of experience that Jalen Milrow got. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on that position and where Alabama could potentially turn? Well, I think – I'm going to assume that Eli Holstein and Dylan Lonergan spend the spring learning the offense. I, I think you have to learn the offense before you can move up. People have to realize that you have to, you have to learn it before you can be first team. You got to know the scheme. You got to know the plays. You got to know the audibles. You got to know the checks. You know, I, I think Holstein and Lonergan will spend most of, of 2023 learning in the spring and fall camp. And, and the job will be between the two returning guys that already know the offense already know Nick Saban's offense. Again, we, we both expect Bill O'Brien to be moving on, there being a new offensive coordinator, but that doesn't mean the offense changes. Uh, the offense is still going to be uh, what it was in terms of the terminology, schemes, calls, uh, and, and then whoever the new OC is, he'll adjust to the terminology that Saban uses here. Uh, that That's a big thing with Nick. So I, I think it'll be Ty Simpson or Jalen Milrow, um, and, and they'll battle it out in the spring. Uh, you know, I, I think – We've seen a lot of Milrow, and I think there's been some bad. There's there's definitely been some bad. I don't ignore that. But there's also been a lot of good. Uh, the Arkansas performance was actually really good. I mean, when you consider the points scored, the production, uh, he came in as 14-0, uh, but then at one point it's 28-23. I mean, Arkansas scored uh, more points uh, than Alabama had scored prior to, to Bryce's injury. The Milrow played really well in that game. Texas A&M didn't play well at all, primarily because of turnovers. Alabama fortunate to win that game, had to overcome the turnovers. Uh, so we've seen Milrow with the good Arkansas. We've seen him with the bad AM. Uh, now he's going to be a, a, a full year more experience. I think who the OC is is going to be really big. If the OC wants to run the ball, do a lot of quarterback runs, then then maybe Milrow's your guy. But most likely, Clint, I, I see Ty Simpson winning this job eventually i don't think that will happen during the spring i think it's more likely to happen in the fall uh either in fall camp or when the games start i think ty is just too good he's a, a polished passer he showed up a good passer uh coach's son real comfortable 
Uh, I understand that that he was outstanding during the bowl practices. Now that he knows the offense, see, see, Ty's where Eli and Dylan are right now. That's where he was in 2022. He was still learning uh, by the bowl practices. He had learned it, and and it's no coincidence that it was per inside the program the bowl practices when he really took off because now he's finally comfortable. He knows it all, and now he can just go out and perform. Uh, I think Ty Simpson wins the job. He's just a better passer. He's a really good athlete. Uh, I think Milrow's good, and I think we could win with Milrow, and I think Milrow's going to be a successful college quarterback. Uh, but I don't think he's going to be good enough to beat out Ty. Yeah, that that's the big question, Mark, right, um, is – when you've got the experience factor, the slight advantage that Jalen Milrow has on that front, the fact that he's played significantly more snaps, uh, the fact that he's actually gotten a start and it was against an SEC opponent. It wasn't like it was against Austin P or New Mexico state or someone like that. I mean, you know, that certainly is going to, you know, give you an advantage, but I also think that Ty Simpson hasn't really been given the opportunity to go out there and make a lot of mistakes either. And with Milrow, doing that kind of thing it can kind of shake your confidence a little bit uh doesn't mean that i don't think that he can't bounce back but he's he's got to i mean you can't turn the football over at the rate that he did this past season five turnovers and you know the amount of time that he actually played i mean that's the same amount that bryce young uh you know as far as turnovers are concerned that's the same amount that he had he played you know four or five times more snaps and so that you know just you worry about that because it wasn't just interceptions on poor decisions. It was also fumbles. You know, it wasn't protecting the football in the pocket. And that's going to happen sometimes. Like, even though I think the offensive line is going to show, you know, it, it showed a uh, significant improvement uh, from 2020 to 2021, or excuse me, from 2021 to 2022. But then going, you know, to next year, I think it could be even better if some of these guys can hit, reach their ceilings. It might take some time to gel, um, but we'll talk about that more here in just a minute. But with the quarterbacks, it's all dependent, in my opinion, on what it is that you're looking for at the position. You know, I think limiting turnovers is by far the most important thing. You 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 definitely want a quarterback who can go out there and win you football games when you need him to. Like, that's just the the era of college football that, that we're in now. But I don't think that's the number one most important thing. You can't lose games. And I think that that's why, you know, even in years past, I mean, that's been a huge – you know, point of emphasis when it's uh, when it's come to you know quarterback battles that Alabama's had, and with Ty Simpson, uh, he protected the football pretty well in high school. You would expect him to do the same in college. Milrow could certainly, you know, he's capable of protecting the football. He's just got to get a little bit more selective on on when he decides to throw it and who he decides to throw it to uh, in certain situations. But then also the 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 run element, like they're both mobile, but the the more of the power run, like the more of the scripted. You know, you, you have designed plays, and it's it's third and short, and you're letting Milrow handle your power, you know, uh, run game to get that one yard. You know, that's a lot different than you probably get from a Ty Simpson or a Bryce Young or some of these other dual threat guys. Really, the only other one that you would say, you know, in recent years would be uh, Jalen Hurts. So I do think offensive coordinator is really important as well. Uh, we've seen a huge, you know, amount. You know, uh, Garrett Riley goes from TCU to Clemson. Kendall Browse goes from, um, you know, Arkansas to TCU. And now we're hearing reports that Arkansas is targeting Dan Enos, uh, the Maryland offensive coordinator. Um, and so, like, there's a lot of moving, you know, uh, play callers, and Alabama is expected to be in that mix. But are you concerned with the fact that they haven't mo made a move yet? And if they are planning to make a move, who do you foresee them kind of going after? Uh I'm not concerned yet because you're not under the gun yet. I mean, spring practice, like I said, is, is still over six weeks away uh, from next Wednesday. So you're really talking about seven, eight weeks away. Uh, it's it's not uh, a race. Uh, I, so I'm not and, – and Coach Saban is spending a lot of time recruiting right now. You can be on the road, even though Alabama is not likely targeting anyone to sign in this late signing period other than maybe Cormani McLean. Uh you're still, when you can be on the road recruiting, you are on the road recruiting because there's next year's class and the 25 class. Uh, that's what Nick Saban's out doing. So I think some of the focus is on that. And he, it's, it's not like he's got all day to spend on the coordinator search uh, in his office. Now, in terms of what he's looking for, here's what I keep coming back to, Clint, is his own words. Uh, Nick Saban said on, his, on the Hey Coach show late in the year, 
that after Bryce, he would like to return to running the ball more uh, and, and maybe doing some some more work with RPOs where the quarterback run is an actual part of the RPO. Um, I think that that's the biggest clue out there. And there's some interesting names. I think Jeff Levy's name is really interesting, and it's been in a national report uh, just today or yesterday from Pete Thamel. Uh, I think he's an interesting name, and that might happen. Uh, but Levy is also extremely committed to the up-tempo spread game, and that just doesn't sound to me like the direction Coach Saban wants to go in. I tend to think it'll be an NFL guy. Uh, and, and by that, that doesn't mean a guy that, that that just runs an NFL offense or it's another, quote, Bill O'Brien. But uh, I think uh, Nick Saban is a big fan of the X's and O's knowledge that the NFL guys have. And, and keep in mind, the NFL throws it a lot, and the statistics in the NFL are huge in terms of the passing game. More yards are being thrown for than ever, right? But at the same time, every NFL team runs the ball. There, there's a commitment to being physical in the run game in the NFL. Uh, so I, I, I really tend to think it would be an NFL guy. And by that, I mean a person that has experience in both the college game and the NFL game uh, running offenses. So th that's what I, I think right now. I don't really have a name, but I'm, I'm uh, fairly certain that it's going to be something in that direction. Yeah, and, you know, that's exactly the big reason why I was such a big Cliff Kingsbury fan as far as being Alabama's potential offensive coordinator, because I thought he brought a lot of innovative ideas. I think the way that he attacks defenses, whether it be on the college level or the NFL level, there was a lot of creativity there. But I think going to the NFL and being an, a head coach, but also being a play caller and having to kind of build a successful franchise, which, you know, that could be debated, but uh, I, I think that it kind of forced him to make more of a commitment to the run game. And, and they went out and they got James Conner, the former Pittsburgh Steelers running back. And really, you know, the last couple of years, they've, they've put a much bigger emphasis on establishing the run game. They do a great job of utilizing their running backs out of the backfield. I think Alabama's got a lot of receiving ability uh, with the guys that they have. And so even without Jameer Gibbs and, and him moving on to the NFL, uh, but, I think that there was enough innovative, like with Bill O'Brien, he wasn't really a creative, innovative guy. Like he was good for the structure of the NFL. Um, he was good, you know, with the, with Penn state. Um, but there, I wasn't like we thought he was some great offensive mind. Really it was his ability to develop quarterbacks, even though, you know, we did a good job with Tom Brady and working with him and, and allowing Brady to do what he does best and, and have a lot of success. But, we also never really saw a ton of development from Christian Hackenberg, you know, following a, a promising freshman season at Penn State. So maybe that should have been the first clue. Uh, but I do think he got a little bit more creative when he had a Deshaun Watson style of quarterback at Houston. But he also had a lot of other stuff on his plate. But Cliff Kingsbury, I thought, would have been a good choice. Um, he's kind of gone rogue, I guess, is the reports, is that he's gone, he's booked a one-way flight to Thailand. And, and um, who knows when the next time we'll see him is, I think, the Cardinals still have to pay him something like $20 million. So there's not really any sort of hurry to to land a next coaching job. So I don't know how realistic of a candidate he would be. I don't know. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see on that front. But I do think that the, the OFC uh, quarterback relationship has to be pretty important, and it has to flow, and, and really everybody feel confident in that. Let's talk a little bit about the running backs, though, because you lose Jameer Gibbs, dynamic pass catcher. We've talked about how – Maybe the, the run game lacked a little bit of physicality with that style of running back. And, you know, we're, we're talking about maybe trying to see Alabama get back to that. They've recruited offensive linemen who were a lot more physically imposing. It can move guys in the run game. We expect that to be a kind of a theme of the offense moving forward. But with Jace McClellan, he's a good, you know, zone runner, man blocking. Doesn't really matter what the, what the guys are, you know, doing in front of him. Uh, he can be effective in that rushing style. Certainly expect him to kind of be the headliner, but from there, where do you see the running back by committee kind of, you know, going? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I sort of look at the running back situation similar to quarterback. Uh, you know, it's easier to learn the offense, I think, from the running back position. I think Justice Haynes and Richard Young are really talented guys that could play this fall and even play a significant role. Uh, I certainly don't rule that out, but they have a lot to learn. And, and, and what, what Alabama can enjoy is uh, while Justice Haynes and Richard Young are learning all that they need to learn, the running back position's in good hands with Jace McClellan, Roy Dell Williams, and Jamari Miller. 
I think Miller, to me, Clint, really symbolizes what, what I foresee for the Alabama offense as a whole, which is this return to a little bit more of the run game and in particular between the tackles and being physical behind a huge offensive line. And to me, Jamari Miller sort of personifies that just like Jameer Gibbs may have personified, hey, let's throw the ball all over the place. We're even going to throw it to the back. We're throwing it so much, we're going to throw it to the back. Uh, I think Gibbs sort of was that guy. But now as the offense is evolving in a different direction, Miller is sort of, to me, the poster child for it. Now, I think Jace McClellan will end up being the back that plays the most snaps, that maybe has the most carries, that maybe has the most touches, because you're going to throw it to Jace too. But I think Jace and Jamarian Miller – will share the running back position and share the load as Alabama's offense sort of evolves uh, into more of a ground-based, run-based offense or, or builds a pass game off the run game. And I see Rory Dell Williams uh, as sort of a, a utility back. And by that, I mean, you know, Roy Dell's really good on third downs, not because he's such a great pass catcher. He's pretty good at that, but he's so good at picking up the blitz. I mean, he stones guys on, on those blitzes. Uh, I think he's the most advanced back Alabama has in that department. So you can use Roy Dell on some third downs. You can use Roy Dell around the goal line. So I think there's a role for Roy Dell, but I think the primary backs will be Jace and Jamarian Miller. And then you have Justice Haynes and Richard Young in the garage. They'll be ready to go if needed, uh, but they can take this fall to spend a lot of it uh, learning about playing running back at this level. Well, it's, it's funny because the, the, what we're talking about here, Alabama has this conversation that needs to be had at a lot of different positions. And what I mean by that is you've got like the Caleb Downs, ultra talented freshman at safety, but you've also got Christian Story, who's kind of been processed, shown some ability when given opportunities. You know, now he's looking to kind of step up into a role. So which way do you go? Which one ends up starting? Like you want to give credit to the older guy, the veteran guy, he's, he's experienced, but there's like this hunch that makes you think that the younger guy's going to push them and might even end up taking the starting job. We're not really concerned necessarily about Jason McClellan losing the starting job, but what we're worried about is Roydell Williams seeding, you know, what should be number two touches to either Jamarian Miller or maybe a Justice Haynes or a Richard Young. Um, and, and that's kind of, you know, we saw Trey uh, Sanders this past year, I guess. Now, granted, a lot of his climb up the depth chart in 2021 was the result of, you know, injuries. But when he was called upon, he performed extremely well. You know, the coaching staff loved him, loved his personality. He was once a five-star top running back in the country. Very talented guy in his own right. But yet, once everybody was healthy and stuff, and I think a lot of that is injury-related and just the wreck and his recovery from that and just never really being the same. But at the same time, you saw him, you know, uh, Jamarian Miller was getting a lot more work than him in mop-up duty. And you saw the the combination of uh, Jameer Gibbs, Jace McClellan, and Roydell Williams is kind of the three headed monster. Even though it was, I would say it was more so of a two headed monster, with Roydell coming in as needed, and then when other guys were banged up, you saw him kind of become the number two. Uh, but yeah, the, I think it's a really interesting backfield because it's loaded with talent. Now, granted, there's not a a Derrick Henry style of running back. There's not a, a Bo Scarborough. There's not a a Najee Harris. These six two, six three you know, 230, 240, 250-pound running backs like Alabama's had at certain points in the past. It's more um, of a, you know, Mark Ingram, uh, Trent Richardson type of backfield where they're like, you know, you've you've got some power. Now, granted, I don't think anybody on the roster right now has Trent Richardson's power. Uh, you know, I, I think that that was definitely a strong suit, different breed. Um, but it, it's a good backfield loaded with talent, it's a matter of what does the carrier of the touch distribution look like. And I'll be very curious to see how that plays out as, you know, the spring. If I had to guess, I would – I mean, wouldn't you say probably McClellan and Roydell will be the ones leading the charge in the spring, and then it'll be a matter of, you know, throughout uh, summer and, and fall camp, you might start seeing some of these younger guys start to take over a little bit? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I sort of see it that way. I sort of see, obviously, day one. Okay, spring practice, practice one, day one. You know, Jace is one, Roydell is two, Jamarian's three, and then let's say Justice four and Richard five. Uh, I, I think that's clearly the case. I just predict as the spring goes on and as fall camp goes on, Jamarian sort of hops Roydell to become more of a, a 1B to Jace's 1A. Again, that's a prediction. But but day one practice one no no question it's Jace first and Roydell second Roydell's a good player 
not trying to demote him out saying he's not good enough. I just think Miller is not only super special, Miller fits what I think Coach Saban would like to see with the offense. And I think that's why ultimately Jamarian becomes a big part of things. Uh, you know, I think Justice and Richard might be more garbage time backs, except for this, Clint. The running back position, you, it's so easy to get people hurt, banged up, and they have to miss time. So I'm not saying that Justice Haynes and Richard Young won't be ready. I, I think through injuries, they're very likely going to have to play a big role with this team in the fall. But assuming everyone stays pristinely healthy, which we know will never be the case, but assuming everyone does, I see ultimately Jace 1A, Jamarian 1B, Roy Dell is your utility back, and then Justice and Richard play at the at the end of decided games. Yeah, and, and what I love about the the potential injury factor uh, is the fact that you have Emmanuel Henderson. Like you've already got a guy, in my opinion, who if you needed to, if you started suffering uh, you know injuries at that position, like you did a couple of years ago, it's not a matter of moving an off ball linebacker like Demoy Kennedy or you know a receiver who's never really you know done a whole. Maybe played a little bit in the backfield in high school, but it's not really known as a running back. You've got a guy who's actually seen significant carries in high school played the position, understands, you know, how to take a handoff properly from the quarterback and what to look for in pass protection and and just a lot of those different things. And so I think that that's very important from a depth standpoint. I, I would say that Alabama, if they needed to, can more so run six deep rather than five deep. Um, but, you know, Emmanuel Henderson's going to work at receiver barring some sort of, you know, uh, run of injuries like we've seen in the past. But at least you've had that guy who you kind of would know who would become the emergency running back if you needed him to. Um, but, but speaking of Emmanuel Henderson and speaking of the wide receivers, yet again, another really interesting position because the, it was very underwhelming this season. I don't think anybody would deny that. I mean, you had at one point in time, you had multiple thousand yard receivers coming from Alabama. You had multiple first round draft picks this year. Uh, I think Jermaine Burton led the receivers in receiving yards with 677. Like that's some Texas A&M offensive uh output in the passing game now granted you had a quarterback who still put up big numbers you still had an offense that it was still a good passing offense it wasn't like it was archaic like texas a&m but just anytime you look at a receiving room and, and the leading receiver i mean they they had a, almost half of what you would expect from an alabama leading receiver uh jermaine burton good player really emerged down the stretch the fact that he didn't enter the transfer portal now that that deadline's passed and the the nfl draft you know, that, that deadline's already passed as well. So it looks like at least until post-spring, you might be coming back and seeing where the quarterback battle stands, you know, uh, throughout the spring, seeing how some of those guys are progressing. Um, uh, but at the same time, it looks like he's going to be back. You got Ja'Cory Brooks, who's a good player. Uh, really, you got, you know, Kobe Prentice and Isaiah Bond, and you got Malik Benson coming in. This wide receiver room doesn't lack talent. But what do you think about getting the most out of that talent? What do you see foresee for the the position as a whole, you know, going into the spring and then also, maybe, you know, maybe hitting into next season? Yeah, I think it'll be improved. I think it'll be a better group than it was last season. Uh, might not still have a top dog, a first-round pick. That guy could be Malik Benson. I think we're hoping that. But the depth is outstanding, and I think the depth of contributors is really good. It's almost too good. You almost have too many guys to play. I, I see it. Today, Clint, kind of, you know, Alabama typically lines up three receivers. Typically, typically Alabama uses what I, what they call 11 personnel, one back, one tight end, three receivers. Uh, and, and that's good because uh, the way this receiving group looks to me, it's almost in four waves of three. And your first wave is your starters, your guys that are going to be out there, first snap, first game, first play, when the season's on the line, when the game's on the line against LSU, against Tennessee, these three guys, I, I see them as Jermaine Burton, Ja'Cory Brooks, and Malik Benson, the, the newcomer, the JUCO from, from Hutchinson. Uh, I, I think those three will separate and be the best players. They're the most uh, – Benson, and, and, uh, Benson, maybe not yet. He, he's a new guy, but his film is just outstanding. He's, he's a JUCO. You don't generally sign a JUCO unless you expect them to start. Uh, I see Benson as, as a right away day one guy, uh, along with the very experienced Jermaine Burton and Ja'Cory Brooks, who have both caught a lot of balls in big games already in their careers. But I see them as the main three guys. Uh, the three behind them are the talented sophomores. The best thing about freshmen, they become sophomores. Uh, the depth at wide receiver is outstanding because of these three guys. 
Kobe Prentice, Isaiah Bond, and Kendrick Law. Uh, definitely in the first team rotation. Definitely play a lot. I don't think they'll catch as many balls as the first three guys, but they'll all catch more balls than they did a year ago. And they'll all make more big plays than they did a year ago. And they're the reason this wide receiver group is good. It's because the guys four, five, and six are all capable of making the big play that wins the game. And not everybody's got that. Uh, that still leaves another wave of three that I would call, for lack of a better term, use, you know, or I, I say garbage time, meaning at the end of decided games, I think we'll see a lot of Emmanuel Henderson, Shaz Preston, and Jones Bell, uh, the, those guys kind of at the bottom of, 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 of the wide receiver depth chart. And then you got three more uh, freshmen that are coming in that it's so stacked at the top with those six guys that you already know are in the first team rotation. I don't know that there'll be an opportunity for a true freshman to win a spot. If one does, I think it would be Jalen Hale, uh, who was outstanding in the, in the all-star game. Uh, I think Hale's going to be a great player, but you have the luxury of being patient with, with those freshmen. So I think Jalen Hale, uh, Jaron Hamilton and Cole Adams would be three guys that, that may either redshirt or play very little. But the six guys is plenty to fill out a first-team rotation. And those six, Burton, Benson, and Brooks, Law, Prentice, and Bond, I think those six are as good as anybody's going to have in the SEC. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. I, I really think that this wide receiver room is going to take a major step forward uh, you know, in, in 2023. And the reason being, A, you're getting development and growth from your young guys. They've now got plenty of game experience. They they understand what it takes on a week-in, week-out basis. It wasn't always pretty, but you would expect positive growth and development. What I think is most important is the fact that you now, you know, with, with Ja'Cory Brooks and Jermaine Burton, your top two guys in the wide receiver room, good players, steady players, but what, Malik Benson is going to be bring to this wide receiver room is dynamic playmaking ability. And that's something that I think was severely lacking. Like you had once Bryce Young got healthy and they were able to stretch defenses vertically a little bit more, you realize Jermaine Burton can do that a, a lot more than I think a lot of people realize. Now we talked about it throughout the, the last off season. And when he transferred in and said, Hey, you know, he's kind of like John Mechie where really, you know, he could do a lot of the, the short to intermediate stuff, but you also, he's a very underrated vertical threat. Don't think he's a uh, got elite speed by any means, elite vertical speed, but he's very good in that area when you ask him to do it. But and that was great. But I don't, he's not really a guy who's going to create yardage after the catch. Like he's not a yak guy at all. Jacory Brooks really isn't. Like the occasional can make a guy miss and create some yardage. But the the guy like the guys like Malik Benson, those are the Henry Ruggs, the Jerry Judys, the the Devonte Smiths, the Jalen Waddles where you know they can take a quick slant and create a ton of yardage after the catch and they can you know uh you can send them vertically and they can make guys miss malik benson i don't think he's going to be a guy who catches 100 balls i, I just don't think he's got that kind of skill set where he's really a, a super volume guy but i do think he's a guy that averages 18 you know 18 and a half yards per catch uh puts up you know close to double digit touchdowns and he's catching you know however many 60, 70 balls for well over a thousand yards. Like I certainly think that he brings that type of presence. And then you've got, you know, I think Isaiah Bond has some dynamic playmaking ability. Uh, I think that Kobe Prentice is more along the lines of maybe your Jermaine Burton, where he's a good player, got good vertical speak and push vertically from the slot, but you're not really getting, you know, the dynamic play necessarily, even though I think he's got a little bit of that. And then Kendrick Law is just like a steady guy. Um, I'll be curious to see what his role looks like. But um, if you had to pick, now we've, we've got kind of the top six guys, but if you had to pick that seventh guy who maybe works his way into the rotation, if Alabama chooses to go that route, if we, I've talked extensively about how I, I would hope that they would kind of condense how many receivers they use on a week-in, week-out basis. But if there was a seventh guy, who would that guy be for you? Uh, my answer to the, to the question is Emmanuel Henderson, but but I don't rule out Jalen Hale. I, I think Hale is, is capable of, of being a, a freshman impact player to that extent, particularly when you're talking about wide receiver number seven. Uh, I think it could easily be Hale, but I'm going to say Emmanuel Henderson because I get this impression based on his special teams usage, which is a, was a lot, particularly at the end of the year. Uh, I get the feeling he's a Saban guy. I, I think Saban loves that guy. And, and I think Saban wants him 
on the field. So my answer is Emmanuel Henderson, but don't rule out Jalen Hale. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think it's one of those two guys. And, you know, Henderson is one that created a lot of buzz. Nick Saban has singled him out multiple times, uh, both preseason and throughout the year. So that's certainly a name to keep an eye on as well. Uh, moving to the tight ends, and we won't spend as much time. We still got the offensive line as well. But I, I thought it was pretty important that they added C.J. Dupree because for whatever reason, now granted, I mean, I wouldn't say for whatever reason, nothing that really the tight end room in general this season really made you super confident in what they had moving forward. I think everybody expected Demarion to block to take a huge step forward this offseason, kind of become that dynamic threat and then kind of mesh with uh, – with Robbie Utes to create a nice little one-two punch, but the coaching staff right now, they feel a little bit differently on it. They want to give Amari Black some time to develop and continue to grow. Uh, I think he's going to be a fantastic player once he really gets confident and comfortable in what he's doing, but I think that might take a little bit more time than maybe we originally anticipated. Like we were talking about this cat maybe being a, a freshman contributor um, and maybe even a freshman starter at some point or at least you know a starter when they're looking to play two tight ends. And it just didn't end up working out that way. But as far as this tight end room, like, what, do you, what are your thoughts on it? Well, I think the ideal situation, I mean, at tight end, the ideal thing is that you have a Brock Bowers who's a first-round freak and one of the great – there will be legitimate Heisman Trophy talk with Brock Bowers this offseason. And in my life, I've never heard legitimate Heisman talk about a tight end, but that's how good Bowers is. He's the best player is. in college football. I, I don't doubt that. I, I, I would agree if anybody says he's the best player. I, I would agree. He does his job, plays his position better than anybody plays their position. But you don't have a Brock Bowers at Alabama. We don't have a, a first-round freak like that. But we have what I would call the second-best situation, which is there's four interesting pieces that are sort of like a puzzle that when you fit the four puzzle pieces together, you got a really pretty picture. And that is Alabama plays like a lot of teams. We play our tight end group is sort of in two two positions. There's Ys and there's Hs. Ys being inline guys, Hs being move guys. You move them around. And with with the addition of CJ Dupree, which I agree with you, it, it sort of like was the final puzzle piece. It's the final. It, it's not Brock Bowers. Anybody that has that sort of expectation is just living in some fantasy land. But what he really is is the final piece. This gives Alabama two Ys that are, are good at both things, receiving and pass catching. But you got C.J. Dupree, who's a really good pass catcher at Y, and maybe Miles Kitzelman, who's a really good blocker at Y, a high school offensive lineman, for instance, like Kitzelman. So Kitzelman and Dupree, to me, are really good one-two duo at Y. And then at H, you sort of have the same thing in, in returning – player Robbie Oost, and I think the staff really figured out late in the year how to use Oost, and, and he was a good player. He was sort of a mess in September when he had to play a lot of the Y spot because Latu was out. But when you can put Oost at H and blocking outside, he's he's ridiculously good. And then you got the pass catcher at H and Amari Black. So you got two Ys, Dupree and Kitzelman. You got two Hs, Oost and Black. And together, the four of them, maybe they don't make a Brock Bowers, but they make something close. Uh, you got a lot of pieces there that will help you. It's just a matter of using them in the right spots and in the right situations and the right play calls and not allowing it to be a tell. Like, well, when Dupree and, and the Black are in, they're going to throw it. And when Kitzelman and Ooster are in, they're going to run it. You, you don't want to be that obvious. But you get the point. It could be really effective using it that way too, right? Yeah, and, and with this blocking group, you know, I, I think that they're all good enough pass catchers where they're a legitimate threat in that facet of the game. Like w when you brought in Kendall Randolph and he was your your tight end too, you knew it was Cameron Latou catching passes or it was no tight end catching passes. Like he was zero threat. Now, granted, dynamic blocker, I mean, add, added essentially a six offensive lineman and that could be really useful. But if you can get, you know, 80 you know, 85% of that blocking ability on top of also, you know, providing another weapon for your quarterback, maybe another safety blanket or just someone else that the, uh, that the defense has to take into account in the passing game. And if they don't, they're going to chip away at them. You know, it might not be for an 80 yard touchdown, but it's going to be six, seven, eight yards, you know, pretty consistently. And, and we saw that at times when teams would ignore Robbie Oots 
and not give him the respect that he deserved as a receiving tight end. He's kind of one of those guys that when he catches it, wherever he catches it, he's down right there. Like he's not going to create much after the catch, but he was a reliable enough target when he was throwing the football where he could be a chain mover. And, And so I think that they got a lot of guys like that and with C.J. Dupree, like one thing about Cameron Latou that I don't think people realize in, in his importance was how his presence allowed the Alabama to very quickly and flawlessly transition between 10 and 11 personnel. Like they could do that one running back, one tight end, have him in line, have him blocking, but you could go essentially four receivers, flex him out wide, make him a big slot, or maybe even put him on the on the perimeter and now you've got four receiver sets. So defenses didn't always know exactly how Alabama was going to attack them based off of the personnel that they had on the field. And I think that that's very important. I think C.J. Dupree, I want to say, I think it was 90, 89% to 90%, somewhere in there, uh, you know, of his snaps at Maryland were spent in line. But I think at Alabama, he has the ability to flex out more. And I think that he will. And I think he can be that guy. But you also got, like you said, You've got Robbie Utsk who can he, – he looks like a blocking tight end, like a like a more inline player, but he actually does some pretty good work as a flex guy and, and is certainly a good perimeter blocker. So I think that's really important, you know, for the position as well. So, yeah, I, I think the tight end group is good. Um, there's still some question marks and things that need to get answered as far as, you know, who ends up kind of getting worked into that rotation. But I like the, I like the outlook of it. But the offensive line is going to be the final thing that we talk about. Uh, a lot of guys moving on. We've talked about that already a little bit. Jimmy, what are your thoughts on the offensive line? Well, and th- there's there's some projection. I, I call it projection. I think it's fair to say uh, maybe another word is, is wish casting because we're going to be depending on, based on, on the lineup as it looks today, we're going to be dependent upon players who haven't played being great right away. And, and, and I'm talking about two guys in Elijah Pritchett and Caden Proctor there. I, I, if Pritchett and Proctor are ready to go and they're good right away, this could be our best offensive line since 2020 and, and be just outstanding. Look, there's three building blocks, three returning starters that are great building blocks. You got a returning center in Seth McLaughlin who is very experienced, very smart, gets the calls right. And that's valuable. Now, is he a dominating blocker? Is he a dominating presence? Is he small? He, he he's not ideal, but you can build around him because he know he knows what he's doing, and that's really important at the center spot. Then you got an all-star tackle in J.C. Latham, and an all-star guard in Tyler Booker, who I think over the course of the season will prove to be Alabama's best offensive lineman, Tyler Booker. Uh, I call him a returning starter because he really played with the first team all season long, did start the Kansas State game, but he played with the first team all season long. He's a returning starter. So Booker at guard, Latham at tackle, Seth at center. There's your building blocks. You need two more. Elijah Pritchett and Caden Proctor are the most talented guys in that offensive line room that, that aren't one of your three building blocks. And if Pritchett and Proctor are good right away and see – don't assume that. I know every fan will. <laughs> every fan will. The best player is the one you haven't seen yet. So everyone's going to assume Pritchett and Proctor are going to be really good right away. It's not fair to those kids because that, 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 that you can allow them the, the, the luxury of being a young player, which means they're they're learning. But if Pritchett and Proctor are good right away, this group can be outstanding. I, I think Pritchett and Proctor both have first-round capability, but they've got to learn – the position they got to learn the scheme they got to learn to play at this level but i see those as the main five guys the big problem and it's huge it's probably what i would call the number one problem on the team is the depth isn't a question mark the depth is absolutely scary uh beyond those five i, I don't even know that there's a sixth guy uh it could be tj ferguson he, he hasn't played one snap he's been there three years he hasn't played one snap with the first team Jaden Roberts, he's huge. He, he had been a threat to be a starter. James Brockermeyer, uh, probably a lot like Seth. You know, he, he knows the spot. He's going to be good mentally, probably pretty good with the calls, but just not the biggest guy. Uh, and then other freshmen like Wilkin Formby or Olas Alanine or, 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 or Miles McVeigh, who, who needs to work on his body a lot. Uh there's non-existent depth, but the first five might be awesome. 
Yeah, and that right, you nailed it. Um, I think that's the biggest concern is the depth because with the starters, and what's interesting is that if you have, you know, if if, if Elijah Pritchett proves to be a better guard than tackle, worked a lot of tackle this year, had the tackles build. Um, you know, I think that he's going to end up playing tackle, probably right tackle, but it is still possible that JC Latham stays at right on the right side and, and Pritchett stays at left tackle, which is really where he played as a freshman. But I think Latham, you put your best offensive lineman or one of your best offensive linemen on your quarterback's blind side, whether it's Ty Simpson or, uh, Jalen Milrow. And, and also I think he's more of a prototypical left tackle than right tackle. Like even though he's six six three twenty six. Um, he's a good run blocker, does a really good job of working up to the second level, but I think he's a very athletic, um, you know, pass blocker. And I think he wins more with finesse than power, even though I think his power is, you know, he still is not limited in that area, which is why he could play either spot, right or left tackle and also guard, which he did as a freshman. But, um, you know, with Pritchett, if he proves to be a better guard, um, if Proctor proves to be a better guard, like he he's ready to contribute in like an Evan Neal style of role, you know, maybe at left guard, or if, you know, Terrence Ferguson proves to be one of your fe- best five offensive linemen, and let's say, you know, one of those two other guys, it's like they look better inside. Uh, Ferguson looks better inside. Maybe maybe Jaden Roberts, who is also another talented player. Um, maybe he he's ready to take that next step and work his way into the starting lineup then I think Tyler Booker has the positional flexibility to move out to tackle. So I don't think that just because, hey, you know, if they can't find a tackle with their current crop, which right now it's very limited, you know, it's J.C. Latham, it's, you know, Elijah Pritchett, we think, um, you know, uh, Wilkin Formby, that's a guy who elite length. I mean, I saw him at the Sugar Bowl practices and and it was incredible um, how impressive he looked physically just from his natural length. But You've got other guys who can maybe work their way into that conversation. I think Miles McVeigh ultimately ends up inside. Uh, I think, you know, I, he was better in pass protection than I originally gave him credit for. Like just watching him the first time through quickly, I had all these kind of preconceived ideas of what he was going to be due to his size. And then come to find out, um, I was pleasantly surprised with the pass protection, but at the same time, out of shape, you know, kind of heavy footed right now, kind of a clunky player. Um, you know, you, you don't really want that at tackle going against SEC speed rushers. So I think if he can rework his body and stuff, it's possible he could eventually work his way out to tackle. But I think inside it's probably going to be his best bet. Um, but, yeah, the, the depth is a major concern. You've got 12 offensive linemen right now. And how many of those saw little to no snaps this year or their true freshmen? I mean, I would say it was a majority of them. So I don't know if Alabama targets guys in the transfer portal. I think right now more than likely they're going to allow their young guys to compete and prove, you know, I think that was a huge selling point for some of these young offensive linemen who committed and ultimately signed was, Hey, you're going to get an opportunity to earn immediate playing time. A lot of them are going to be given the spring to do just that. And if they can work their way into the, in the conversation or into the rotation, then maybe you don't need to target transfer portal offensive linemen because it's already going to be tough. You know, if you don't have a starting job available for a guy who's in the portal, more than likely he's not going to come. Uh, and if he would be willing to come, he probably don't want that guy because he's probably not a very good player. So it, it's a tough situation to be in, but I think the the talent is certainly there. They really can't afford to have any sort of injuries. Now, Jimmy, with as deep as they are on the defensive line, is is maybe the possibility of, of sliding Anquin Barnes over to the offensive line? I mean, is that something that we might see? Uh, I mean, I haven't heard from inside the program that that's something that's going to happen, but it makes all the sense in the world to me. Because uh, what you're not looking for, I mean, I, I have a lot of, like I said, just when I warn everybody, hey, don't don't put out all, all these expectations on Pritchett and Proctor. It's not fair. They haven't even played in, 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 against the first team in a college, uh, you know, defense uh, against a, a, an SEC defense. Don't put that on them. But then here I am doing it. I mean, I, I do think that they will win jobs and, and, and be the starter. So you're not looking for hey, we need you to come in and start. But but what we do need is additional depth and additional break glass in case of emergency guys. And it just seems to me that Anquan Barnes and Tim Keenan both, to me, they're at best third string defensive linemen at best, but they could earn roles as second team offensive linemen. They could if they learned it and made quick adaptations and really had a lot of buy-in. I could see Barnes and Keenan both as second team players, the offensive line. So to me, it makes all the sense in the world. Uh, 
Now, if they're making huge strides on defense that I'm unaware of, then forget what I said. But I, to my to my knowledge, I don't think so. Uh, to, I, it just makes a lot of sense to me. If you're not going to go in the portal, like I said, the portal's tricky. You, you said it really well. I, I don't think Alabama needs to go in the portal and find a starter because I like the five, assuming Pritchett and Proctor are good. I like the five. And you can't really go in the portal to get depth. Those guys are in the portal because they want to play. I mean, who left – Wherever they are, how are you going to pitch? Well, what we really want is for you to come to Alabama and be a backup. Uh, you know, it, it would be tricky in terms of adding guys from the portal, but Barnes and Keenan wouldn't expect to switch from defense to offense and start right away. I think they know there would be a, a learning curve, and maybe they are starters down the road. But I like the idea of moving Barnes and Keenan a lot myself. Uh, I fully realize that if you went to them and said, hey, we want you to play offense and not defense – that they might get mad and leave, but okay. I mean, you know, that I'm not, you know, they're not guys that are, that are threats to be starters, you know, this fall. So I think those are guys you could approach about, about moving positions, but would it cure everything? No, but it would help. Well, I certainly think that I think Alabama needs to get away from the Chris Owens and the Kendall Randolphs on their offensive line. Like, you know, LSU, they had two true freshman offensive tackles this year. Really, really, really rough uh, to start, especially at right tackle, but also even that five-star freshman at left tackle. You know, he had some rough moments early in the season. But here's the thing. Very talented players, and they got better week over week. Chris Owens never really got too much better, really any better, from week one as a starter in 2021 to you know game 15 the the national championship he was who he was by that point um Kendall Randolph they they ultimately moved him to being that or back to that blocking tight end role um I thought that's exactly where he needed to be they gave him the opportunity to win a job at guard they let him play some tackle in the bowl game he was an emergency guard and tackle really didn't play a whole lot but they really had some depth issues on the offensive line but he had every opportunity to earn a role. And, and I hyped him up last year because I thought, hey, the coaching staff knows what they're getting from him. And that's kind of important. You know, uh, I think that that plays a role at the same time, though. In 2021, J.C. Latham would have had some growing pains and some struggles if they would have thrown him out there at right tackle. But by the national championship game, I think Alabama would have been a whole lot better for it. And I believe they would have got much more effective play at that spot opposite Evan Neal than they would have with the current crop of guys they had that they were playing there. My point here is that don't go target some mediocre, you know, average player in the transfer portal who is a starting caliber guy. If it's Proctor and there's some growing pains, let him get out there. Let him be that five-star player. Let him make mistakes and grow and, and get better. And it might look kind of rough in the beginning, but I think over the course of the season, you end up having a much better offensive line by the end of the year if you handle it that way, you know, if it's, um, you know, if it's Elijah Pritchett, same situation, still a young guy, at least he's got a year in the system, but if there's some, some rawness or some roughness, let him work it out. You know, DJ Fluker had to work some things out as a red shirt freshman when he became a starter. And I don't think it worked out too great in the beginning um, for Greg McElroy as a result, but he ended up being a heck of a player down the stretch and it really helped Alabama when it really mattered. And so I think Alabama needs to take more of the LSU approach and less of what they've done in the last couple of years with some of these young guys and let them, you know, let the rough edge drag, throw them out there and, and you know, it's sink or swim and there's going to be some sinking, but they'll start paddling eventually and I don't expect them to drown. So that's kind of how I would approach it. So Jimmy, before we hop off here, is there anything else you want to add as far as the offensive roster? It could be any position. It could be coordinator or you might be done with thoughts. Just wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of uh, recap some of the stuff we talked about. Yeah, there'll be a lot of new, I mean, there'll be a, it's a new OC, almost certainly. It's going to be a new quarterback. Uh, I think it's going to be a new approach to offense. I don't think it's going to look like the Tua Bryce offense. I, I think it's going to look not not we're not going all the way back to McElroy in 09 or or even but but or even AJ McCarron in 2011. But I think it's going to be uh, elements of that, and, and I think it, it could be an exciting blend if they do it right. You know, don't ask me how to do it. I, I don't know. <laughs> but blending the elements. Okay, we, we can do the spread stuff. But you know what? Now now we can also go back, and, and when it's third and two, we'll line up with a couple tight ends, and we're going to run it right at you, and we're going to make it. Um, I, I think you can blend all that, and it can be exciting. A lot of new, 
but also some veterans. I think the offensive line is a perfect encapsulation of that. You got the three building blocks of three returning guys that we know are two outstanding top-end talents in Latham and Booker and, and, and a center that, that knows how to play the position in, in McLaughlin. And, and now you got two new guys, Pritchett and Proctor. New, might be a little lost, might, might not look great all the time, but the high-end talent will, will win out. And, and what a monstrous group those five would be with uh, with Latham and, and Pritchett at tackle and Booker and, and Proctor at guard. And uh, and and uh, little tiny Seth McLaughlin in the middle. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, in the two biggest ways to help your offensive line and pass protection, easily the two biggest ways. One, get the, get the football out of your quarterback's hands quickly. Uh, that's certainly a way. Um, I think the RPO takes a lot of strain off the offensive line because it could be a run play, it could be a pass play. But I think play action too, being able to run the football effectively first. And if, if Alabama can do that, even if there's some limitations as far as their pass protection, the guys they have pass protecting, if you can run the football effectively, you can do so much off of that, and it takes so much strain off your quarterback. It takes strain off your offensive line. And so I think Alabama getting more of a physical presence. It's the Georgia approach, right? I mean, Sesson Bennett, the bottom line is if they drop back, if they put him in a Bryce Young offense, he completely fails. He had a, a great complementary defense last year. He had great surrounding talent last year. But this season where he really made a lot of growth as far as being able to put the game on his shoulders a lot more, it was still the fact that he always had that impressive dominant run game to to kind of fall back on. And it took so much pressure off of him and, and defenses could only key in on what he could do in the passing game so much because they were so effective running the football. And I think Alabama needs to take that approach. And if they do, imagine, you know, I think Stetson Bennett grew a ton. I think he ended up being a very dynamic player. But I'll tell you what, I don't think he's even in the same realm as far as overall talent as a Ty Simpson. So if you can provide Ty Simpson with that complimentary style of run game, the, the sky's the limit with this kid. You know, with his mobility and his, you know, uh, decision-making and the fact that he can thrive in chaos and, and create, you know, on the move and things like that. So, yeah, I think we end up seeing a lot more of that um, or returning more of that in 2023 and beyond. Um, but we'll just kind of have to see how it plays out. But Jimmy, as always, buddy, I appreciate you hopping on here with me. This has been fun. Uh, we're going to be doing the defense probably, you know, if, if it's not tomorrow on Friday, then it'll be on Monday. We'll kind of have to work out scheduling with Chris, who is our fantastic producer. who has been kind of doing some work for us behind the scenes on, this is the first podcast that we've done this way. Um, so he's doing some great work and we appreciate that. But Jimmy, as always, buddy, I appreciate you hopping on here with me. Yeah, yeah, fun stuff. Looking forward to uh, going over the the defense, which, like the offense, there'll be a lot of new. Yep, a ton of new. Yeah, and really every position is worth uh, kind of hashing out and talking about, especially the back half of the defense with a ton of turnover. But exterior pass rush, interior defensive line, off-ball linebacker, uh, there's enough being replaced pretty much at all three levels where it's worth talking about. And we really need to start talking about defensive coordinators and what things, you know, how things might look a little different without Pete Golding and, how it could look different and things like that. So definitely st uh, stay tuned for the next episode of the Bam on three show. We're certainly looking forward to it. Once again, uh, this is Clint lamb host, and this is the Bam on three show.